three, two, one, go. Welcome to episode number 135. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't like, expect you to. I didn't expect you to actually go. <laughs> I was trying to do it. I was like, I got, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh. Okay. Blooper. <laughs> Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, the podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 135 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Michael. And we are happy and glad and excited and tired and all of the things to be back with you for another episode this week. Mm -hmm. We are the last round of the semifinals of the big box beer bash bonanza, whatever it's called, that we still don't have an official name for. I've just been saying big box bash just to keep it simple. Keeps it simple. Keep it for me. Keep it simple. There we go. So we got that coming up. Next week's going to be the finale, uh, mm-hmm. the big, big finale, the big winner. Who will win the big box bash? Is it going to be? We've got still left in the field. We've got Blue Moon and Stella. They're going up against each other tonight. We've got Angry Orchard has already made it to the finals. And so we will pick one more finalist tonight. And then next week it will be the winner. Yep. That's not that, that anybody cares. That's the plan. <laughs> hey, Angry Orchard may care. They uh commented on our posts yeah, they on did. Instagram this week. Yeah, they did. Like actual blue check Angry Orchard. So let's I go, mean, Angry Orchard. We I don't need know a sponsorship. It, I don't know if it means anything, <laughs> but uh dude, how, how would you freak out if you had like 30 cases of Angry Orchard on your porch when you came home? <laughs> yes, I would. I would absolutely freak out if there were 30 cases. My wife might freak out. She likes Angry Orchard, too. <laughs> I would I would probably freak out in two different ways. One would be, I, I love Angry Orchard, but then there's that like fear of, well, dang, now I got to drink 30 cases. So I think by the end of it, I probably would not like it as much. Maybe not. I don't know. You can space it out. It wouldn't have to be all at once. That's, that's for right. sure. So that's um, right. let's go... Tonight in the final semifinal matchup, let's go with Stella first. Let's do it. I like Stella. It's okay. It's good. And then we'll do Blue Moon. You went, I like it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm being you... indecisive tonight. I'm being like a woman, okay? Okay. Well, Leave me alone. <laughs> you've had a long week. It's okay. So Stella it a long week. is the only beer in the whole tournament from that is... Uh, Brewed by Anheuser Busch, that we're aware of, like legitimate beer, big box, like yeah, the, this is the big, kind of big box. <laughs> um, so Stella Artois um, is a Belgian style lager. I think is that wait is that yeah that's Bel- what we yeah that's what we found out last time. And the I don't have ABV on here. You got it on your bottle. It's five percent. I'm sure it is. Um, so Anthony is drinking from a bottle. I'm drinking from a can. Mm-hmm. on actually both of them so we'll both be doing that um and we're not going to pour them up because basically I, I don't feel like doing the dishes if i'm real honest <laughs> i personally just don't feel like it period so um <laughs> let's crack open our stella artois and remind ourselves what these taste like what these taste like here we go three two one crack mm. oh, oh okay Drink it oh, quick. I'm foaming. Don't spill the beer. We're good. We're good. We're good. I don't know why that happened. That was weird. That's never happened to me before. It's too cold. That means it's going to be delicious. That means it's going to be delicious. Here we go. Bottoms up. Cheers. Mm. 
Stella is not bad. It's a bougie yingling. It, yeah, it is. It is a bougie yingling. Like if you, I wouldn't, I don't think I would purchase Stella and then drink it after cutting the grass. Cause after you cut the grass, you just want like a cheap cold beer. It doesn't really yes. matter what it is. Um, but this would be like a fancy dinner. If you had like pulled out all the stops to cook your wife a dinner at home, like the kids are at your parents or whatever. And yeah. you know, you got like steak and salad and potatoes. You like, you do the whole, the whole deal. Like this would be like the fancy dinner beer to me. I can get behind that. But then like, when everyone comes over for burgers on the grill, it's the England. Yes, it is. I'm yes, still kind of, I'm still kind of a uh, disappointed. Yingling wasn't part of this. I know because they're technically a craft brewery. Okay. Well, weirdos. So Stella, pretty standard lager flavor. Yeah. Um, it's still a three Luther for me. Yeah. It's in the three, three and a half range. I think, um, but it's not bad. Like it's it's a good change of pace. It's a good yes, something different if you're if you're looking for something a little different than your usual uh just run of the mill beer, I guess. I wonder if because it, it's got just I mean, now that we've done it for a couple of weeks, like it's got just a little bit of different flavor. And I wonder if the way that they brew it, because it's it's done, they have some kind of purity brewing thing that they do. I wonder if that's what gives it that different flavor. I don't the know. way it's brewed. I don't know. It but, would be a good research project for somebody. Yeah. Not us. We're not doing that. Nope. So, but it does have a different flavor. All right. So let's well, go over to the Blue Moon. Yep. This Belgian is also white. a Belgian. Belgian style wheat beer. Belgian white. Um, What's this like? 4.5 ABV? 5.4 ABV. Yeah, it's a little bit stronger. A little bit. Uh, brewed with coriander and orange peel, it has a little bit more flavor um, intentionally than the uh, Stella or just about yep. anything else that we've had in the tournament. So, yeah, let's crack open our blue moons and see what we got. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Oh, I totally just tasted that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you, you just went right ahead. It's fine. I'm going to go ahead. Do it. I think I know where I'm going to land. We're we're gonna find out if we have to induce the the super secret plan or not. Okay, so Blue Moon definitely has more flavor. Agreed. It has it has a flavor at least. Agreed. Um, Stella has a flavor, but it's just I mean, like it's just a twist on normal kind of like just normal beer flavor. Like you said, yeah, it's Rich Man's Yingling. Yeah, <laughs> and Blue Moon has a bit of a, like a. Like a very very subtle fruit flavor, obviously yeah. the orange, and I think you're right. If you were to serve it with an orange peel or, or like an orange slice or something, it would enhance the flavor. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I'm doing a back to back. Could okay. Stone, we could go Stone Cold Steve Austin and do them at the <laughs> same <Cold>. time. <laughs> I wonder what Blue Moon and Stella taste like mixed together. <laughs> okay, so after drinking the Blue Moon, going back to the Stella, Stella has a much more weak flavor. Yes, profile. yes, it does. Blue Moon is definitely stronger. I know. I, I think I've got mine. I think I've got my choice locked in. I think you do too. I'm still like, I am on the fence. I could literally go either way. <laughs> um, it's, it's different flavors, but different flavors. But the quality of the beer is nearly the same for me. Yes, it is. Yeah, like Blue Moon and Stella, and they would probably be like, "Hey, we don't agree with this at all." But like to me. The overall quality of both beers is nearly identical. So yes. to me, it's a coin flip. Yeah. So I mean, it really if depends on what flavor you like. Yeah. Um, ooh, excuse me. 
man, I don't know. I know what my wife would pick. She would pick Blue Moon. She would pick Blue Moon because she, she likes would, Blue Moon, though. She does like Blue Moon. Maybe she could be the tiebreaker. Maybe that is our secret plan. It's not, but... <laughs> um, you know, you we've teased the secret plan so much. I feel like if we don't use it, we need to at least say, say what, what it was. Be. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I'm really torn. Why don't you tell me what your what your answer or your okay. winner is going to be? I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I am going to pick the blue moon by a slight margin of victory. Okay. Um. It's, I mean, I just, I like the flavor of the Blue Moon a little bit better. And especially, I know when I've had Blue Moon with the orange, like on draft mm-hmm. with an orange peel, I, I've never had Stella on draft. So maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm giving Blue Moon the edge. But Blue Moon on draft with an orange slice is significantly better than Blue Moon out of a bottle or a can. Okay. Me. Okay. Um, and so just just because I know that about Blue Moon, I kind of like the flavor a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so like Blue Moon is getting 3.05 Luthers and Stella is getting 3.02 Luthers. And so that okay. makes that makes Blue Moon win by 0.02 Luthers. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm in the same like I really do think of it like when it's that close, it really comes down to what your preference is going to mm-hmm. be for the situation. Yeah. Um, Blue Moon is a good, like, if you're sitting on the beach or grilling or after, like, a grass cut kind of deal. And Stella is more a little fancy. So maybe Stella has a more niche application than Blue Moon. Yeah. Um, maybe. <sighs> <laughs> that feels like that feels like a reach. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out a way to justify picking one over the other, I think. Um It's honestly a coin flip, but if I had to choose one, I think I would agree with you. I think Blue Moon is Blue Moon is marginally better than Stella. So, by the slimmest of margins. So this is like this is like game 7 of the national league division pennant race, the bottom of the ninth and the home team is up by a run and the visiting team has bases loaded and their number four slot up to bat. <laughs> Basically like is what this is. The game is on the line yeah, and it could literally go either way, either way. Um, that's how this is. But, and that's, yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at. Like, Blue Moon edges out to me by just a little bit. Yeah. This has been by far the most challenging yes. matchup so far. It Every has. other one we were to this point, I was 100% sure on all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. But this one is hard. And, and it was, I mean, it's good the bracket fell the way it did because otherwise these two might not have been paired up against each other. Right. So it was good to have these two because. I mean, th- these are two good beers. They're not great beers, but they're good beers. We would recommend both of them. At least I would. I would mm-hmm. recommend both of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, for me, if I'm get, if somebody, and I guess this is the way I'd, I kind of come down and judge it. If I see Blue Moon and I see Stella in the same cooler, I'm probably going to grab a Blue Moon before I grab a Stella. That's fair. You know. If I have both choices available, I'm probably going to grab a Blue Moon before I grab a Stella. So that's that's a fair way to look at it. So that's why I, that's why I'm kind of inching Blue Moon just ahead. Okay, just a bit. I think so. I think Blue Moon gets the nod from me just because of the slight, uh, the slightly fruity flavor. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's barely there, but it's there. Yeah, and I think. You you talked about drinking it with an orange slice enhances it. I mm-hmm. hundred. I think that would. I, if I had an orange slice, I think Blue Moon would have been the easy. Yeah, a much easier selection. But yep. Well, I'll have oranges. So yeah, there you go. So Blue Moon is moving to the finals. We'll take the final slot in the finals against Angry Orchard. Um, so it'll it'll be two fruity beers. Uh, we got the Angry Orchard Apple Cider going mm-hmm. up against the uh, Blue Moon Belgian White with its coriander orange. 
Yeah. Um, next week. So tune in for that finale and find out who the winner is going to be. Um, our secret plan, since we're looks like we're not going to have to use it, our secret well, plan. We we may need it next week. Oh, we might. I doubt it, but we I, may need it. I don't it. think we will. <laughs> Let's wait till next week to reveal. That. Okay. All right. We'll we'll talk about the secret plan next week. Um, but tonight we're going to dive into the book of Joshua. Um, we have finished Deuteronomy. We have finished uh, all of that. Uh, the Pentateuch is done, and we are moving on to the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to talk about conquering the land of Canaan tonight. So stick around, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Beers and Bible. I almost said Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. <laughs> Still got last week on the brain. <laughs> Apparently. Sorry. Trying uh, to do two episodes in one week was uh, time consuming. We'll just say it that way. <laughs> it was. But part of the reason for that, I think, is maybe because of the, the RFP camp meeting for the sake of the gospel, which is coming up November right. 3rd and 4th in Danville, Virginia at Hope Church. Um, and uh, the registration opened up for that this past Monday. Yes, it did. And August 1st. August 1st, it opened up. And I don't know how many spots there are or if they've got it open until they fill the room. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know. So the you better go there get is. your spot now. Yes. Go register for <laughs> the uh, for the sake of the gospel camp meeting um, with the RFP network, the RFP podcast network uh, will be there. Yes, and we so will uh, every other member of the podcast network um, registration. Uh, I think it's $50 mm-hmm. that covers everything except for your like hotel and food and stuff. So, um, yeah. but that covers your costs to get into the conference for all the, uh, uh, sessions and there's going to be some worship and some good messages and and some breakout things that are going to be really cool to be a part of. And we look forward to seeing you there and we are excited to also be a part of that. It is going to be fun. It will be. So now that that weekly commercial is (laughs) taken care of, (laughs) let's dive into our, uh, our study in Joshua. I enjoyed the book of Joshua. Um, I I was on vacation last week, so I actually had some time just to Lucky. unplug and get away and spent some time each day reading through the book of Joshua. And um, it really is a very, um, I don't want to, it's not like a challenging, like to a person on a, like a personal level, but it's challenging to on like a faith level, I think. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, but I, I, I like the book of Joshua I, I, and I really enjoyed refreshing myself and reading through it last week. So um, we hope that you had a chance to read through it before this episode. And if you didn't, uh, we encourage you to do that after you listen to this episode. So um, that's right. Here we go. We're diving in. So here's some orienting data for the book of Joshua. Um, This is a narrative about the leadership of Joshua as they enter into the promised land. Remember um, Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joshua becomes the leader of the nation of Israel, and he's going to be the ones that he's going to be the one that leads them into the promised land that has been that God um, <clears throat> said that they would get. Um, this covers the uh, the book of Joshua covers the partial conquering and distribution of the promised land up through the death of Joshua. So as you're reading through the book of Joshua, you'll see a lot of about the land inheritances and who gets what and how it's divvied up, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it begins. So, you know, like Anthony said, we finished the Pentateuch with the uh, conclusion of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, this begins a section known as the former prophets in the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a section here that's known by that name. Yeah. Um, and how, how long is that section? 
Um, it's, it really just, it's mostly like Joshua and I'm trying to remember because the, the Bible that we are used to the, you know, modern day folks are used to has what we call the major prophets and the minor prophets. And so you Mm -hmm. have like the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Ezekiel, and then you have the minor prophets, uh, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. There we go. I did it. Um, so all of the, like we call them major minor and they would call them former and later. Mm-hmm. And there's a division and in, in our book, some of the minors end up being former and I can't remember exactly which ones are which, but you have some of the minors that end up being former, but it's basically broken down into when they were a prophet for the nation of Israel. Okay. Um, because they're like, they're not necessarily in chronological order in our modern day Bible. Um, and so you, you end up with a ton of cross references to from one prophet talking about another prophet and each prophet kind of had its own, his own little thing that he was like, for example, Amos, one of his big things was justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Micah, one of his big things was, was justice. And so each person kind of has their own little niche, I guess you could say, um, that they talk about. Um, and like Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. His was mostly about judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he got to pronounce a bunch of judgment on, on Israel because they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. Um, but Joshua is, and, and it's, it is a former prophet ish type book. But it's also been called by some uh, a Deuteronomic history, mm-hmm. and so it's it's more it's almost like this dual purpose book, and that's you know honestly that's why some of our modern day bi- books or I'm sorry our modern day Bibles put it with Ezra Nehemiah Esther Job, um, the Kings the Chronicles because those are all historical books yeah. they record narratives and Joshua has a lot of narrative stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And so it could be prophetic because he's talking about things that they're going to do. Um, and it's things that God is instructing Israel to do, which yeah. is going to put it into a, a prophetic category, but it's also telling the story of, Hey, they did this, right. They did that wrong. They mm-hmm. did this, right. They did that wrong. And, yeah. and so you, you have both elements of it in the book of Joshua. Yeah. So there's a little, yeah. there, there's a little, that's Caveat interesting. There. I mean, you you could almost look at Joshua as a um, like an example of scripture as a whole, right? Like, because yeah. there's there's narratives through scripture, and then there's also um, the uh, prophetic stuff mm-hmm. all through scripture. Yeah, and Joshua kind of encompasses both. Yeah, and and it and it really flows really like I know like the English version of the Bible isn't how it was written and broken down and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. like the flow back and forth is not choppy or weird. No. Um, I mean, it, it flows very smoothly from narrative to prof prophecy back to like it, it goes, it does. I think it does it really well. Um, which I don't know if anyone cares, but about my opinion on that, but if you've ever seen a good movie that like does this, like, it tells you a part of the story and then it does like the, the flashback sequence where you kind of mm-hmm. learn where that part came from. Yeah. Like, that's what I think about when I think about Joshua is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. there's movies that do that really well. There's movies that do it terrible, but there's movies that do that really well. And yeah. you, you, you're able to piece all of the stuff together by the end of the story. That's what I feel like Joshua is. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's, you kind of got this like flashback and then you've got this looking forward and then this flashback and this looking forward um so yeah yeah that's cool that's a cool way to look at it um and then finally here the last thing for to orient ourselves as we read the book of joshua is that it records israel's history with the purpose of instructing and explaining from the divine perspective how and why things went the way they did um so throughout the book of joshua like like anthony talked about already we're going to see Israel does something good versus does something not good. Yeah. Here are the consequences for both. Yeah. And why it was the way that it was. Yeah. Yep. And, and so 
as we like as we think about that and kind of set the frame, I guess the the structure for Joshua. There's there's some advice that you can take going into reading Joshua. Um, number one is is to know that this is a retelling. You're looking back on the story is what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. The way that we know this, and this is this is why it makes me think of the um, like the flashback mm-hmm. things is because. Uh, you you talk about memorials or the author talks about memorials throughout the thing and he says are still here to this day and so the author is is saying from his vantage point he can still see that memorial mm-hmm. that Joshua put back in the day mm-hmm. and so he's looking back at history but bringing that history into the modern day where he is currently so I just had an epiphany about context when you said that like so when i read it i was reading it as and such and such is still here still there to this day meaning august 2nd 2022 <laughs> i completely forgot to remember that the author wrote it at a certain time for a specific yep. purpose to a specific people like i forgot to apply that myself to the author of joshua that's right they were there to that day. He had a visual representation. Yeah. A visual reminder of the story of the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I feel like a dope. And it, But it doesn't mean that it's still there to this day, August 22nd or August 2nd, 2022. Right. It means it was there when he did it. And, and yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the, the way people read things into the Bible that are not necessarily there a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. Is you think you read a statement like, and it's there to this day. You think, Oh, that thing's still sitting there. No, it's not. Yeah. You know, that was thousands of years ago. That thing has done been covered up by dirt or is blown away or something. It was there when the author wrote it. Right. Thousands of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. How did I forget such a simple part of it? Because we're yeah. all human, man. Well, <laughs> it's part of it. <laughs> you're not wrong. Okay. We all make those mistakes. So it it is a story looking back into history. And the, another thing that the author mentions is that they're still can the Canaanites are in the land. Um, we can see this just I'm gonna list a couple of verses here: 13, 13, 1563, and 1610. Um, what they're doing is they are both of these this these things that we've just talked about remind God's people of the past, you know, you're, you're looking back, think about telling a story. You remember that it's still here to this day. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're saying that God has done the work and it's still here to this day, but you're going to talk about what you're going to do. You're going to go into the land. So at two, at simultaneous times, you're saying, look at where God has brought you from and remember where we're going. There's yeah. still work to be done, but God is faithful. Yeah. I think about, um, it happens a lot in like sports teams and stuff like that, but like mm-hmm. they'll sit on their past a- achievements yeah. for, for to justify not moving on from certain people or not changing things instead yeah. of, you know, Oh, we were great 20 years ago, but you've been terrible for the last five years, yeah. make changes like and churches do the same thing. They will look back and see and like reminisce, They'll spend too much time looking back and not enough time looking yeah. forward. How do we get the glory days back? Yeah. And and it's not about the glory days. Like the glory days were great and thank God for them. But what are you doing now yeah. to usher in the next new, thing? The next the next <laughs> glory days that will be the glory days for mm-hmm. the next generation. That's right. So yeah. Um hmm. it's a good reminder yep. for God's people to to never be complacent Mm -hmm. never be complacent you can look back at history and see what god has done but never forget that there's still work to be done for the kingdom there's still places to go yep and people to reach with the gospel so um so so that's just kind of uh that sets up a little bit of the the history and how we're doing it and as we walk through joshua there's there's really going to be these kind of like i guess three major themes in the book we're reading they called them um Oh, what do they call them? They didn't call them themes. I wrote them down as themes, mm-hmm. but they called them something else. And uh, and I didn't I didn't particularly care for the word because it was like it was something bad. It was negative. 
It was concerns. That's what it was. It was three major concerns, concerns in the book of Joshua. I was like, I was like, I don't know that I would call these concerns, but what he is doing is they're pointing out these things that that sometimes for Christians are hard to reconcile. Um, and the very first one is Israel is about to engage in a holy war. Yeah. And and we don't mean like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna pray and the Canaanites are just gonna flee the land without them having to do anything. No, they're gonna kill people. They're gonna, I mean, it is a legitimate holy war. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that this holy war is number one, a judgment on the pagan practices of the Canaanite people. Mm-hmm. And has been really preordained by God since Abraham. Right. You know, he told Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. And you're going to have to fight for that land, but I'm going to give you a land. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is something that God has been walking through history and bringing to fruition of his own accord and his own will. Yeah. And, And he's doing it to show who he is, that he is God, the one God, think, thinking back to Deuteronomy, Leviticus, he's the one God. There's no other like him. There's no other that can touch him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's establishing this revelation through the nation of Israel to yeah. be a light unto the nations. Yeah, he's, he's orchestrating all the things to fall into place so that the promise given to Abraham can actually be fulfilled. That's right. And it's, like you said, it's a, reminder of who God is and he's he's mm-hmm. making bold claims to the people of Israel and he's yeah. making bold claims that he is the one true God yeah. and the gods of the people around and but this is how he's going to prove to Israel and the nations around him that he is who he says he is that's right yeah so. and the purpose of that is that the nation of Israel would be an example of the one true God to the nations mm-hmm. around them that's yeah you know, in a pagan world, the, the reminder here is to keep God's law central. You want to keep the central focus on their life. And this is this is kind of that third theme. I guess you they called it a concern. I'm going to call it a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but you keep God's law as the central part of your life. Think about the introduction to the book of Joshua, Joshua 1, chapter 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Mm-hmm. That, I mean... That's right at the very beginning. And what is the book of the law? The book of the law is the Pentateuch that we just finished. Yeah. Um, the death of Moses. I mean, they're they're marching into the promised land with the Pentateuch. Um, they haven't been able to celebrate Passover for 39 years because they have they've been wandering in the land. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening now that's gonna that's gonna start to happen. And God's saying, don't forget. Don't forget, this is where you're coming from. This is the rules you have to follow, even as you walk into the new land. Yeah. It was rules while you wandered. It's even more the guidelines for how you should live Yeah, now. And so um, hmm. it, it's talking about the Pentateuch, and it's talking about how God will relate to his people yeah. and how they are to relate to the world around them. Yeah. You know, and that, how they're I mean, going to be that light. Yeah. And that's a good reminder for us today. Like if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus or you claim to know Jesus, like your life should look different. Yeah. And and if it doesn't look different, I would seriously question <laughs> your claim. Yeah. But you know, but like you've we have to look different than the world around us so that the world around us knows that there's something different about us. That's right. You know, you know right. they people people watch how we act and watch how we work and watch how we treat other people before they listen to a, a mm-hmm. word we have to say about Jesus. Yes. And if 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 a non-believer sees you as a believer treating someone like a ter- like just treating someone terribly, mm-hmm. then you try to talk to that person about Jesus, they're not going to be interested. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you the and, and I thought about this while you were saying that. I'm I'm going to give a real world example to that. So I work, my job is I work in the, the automotive industry. Um, and, and so I interview people, uh, I work for a business and, and I interview people and I hire people to do a certain job. And, and so one of the things that, that I learned a long time ago 
was when you're interviewing somebody to look at the look at their hands. What do their hands have on them? Are their hands hard and callous and have oil stains on them? And and is the underside of their fingernails dirty? You know, because if they're if they're in there talking about man, I work on diesel motors and I do this and I do that, but they have soft hands and they you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, Durgan, well that guy is lying to your face. Right. <laughs> he ain't never worked on a diesel motor in his life. I've never met a diesel mechanic with a clean hand. Even after he washes his hand, his hand is dirty. Right. You know, but but you then you get another person in there and they'll say, yeah, man, I, I work on diesels. I do this. I work on engines. I remove, the, you know, this is what I've done. This is my experience as a mechanic or whatever. And you can look at that person and really kind of tell if the story that's coming out of their mouth matches the way that their body is, you know? And so realistically what God is telling the nation here is, is I'm telling you to live a certain way and you need to live that way. And that should reflect back to me. That should reflect truth back on me. Yeah. And it's, it's the way that I have designed you to live, you know, the same way that a mechanic day in and day out working on cars and and working on engines and things like that is naturally going to get dirty. If you are reflecting God, you are naturally going to reflect who God is and what he has Mm -hmm. done in your life. Yeah. Yeah, And and so, and we do that with our character and how we treat other people, how we treat the world around us, how we um, interact with the people who no one wants to interact with. That's right. You know, it's not enough to simply interact with the marginalized, but I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but you like show love to that person, show compassion yeah. to that person because they may not ever feel that. Yeah. They may not ever feel the love of another person. Yeah. For whatever reason, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't get to not love somebody. That's right. So, that's right. So that's, that's convicting. <laughs> It'll hurt you. So yep. just a couple of other notes as we're talking about advice on on reading Joshua, just a couple of other notes here. It's going to be really handy to keep the maps out. When they start talking about distributing land, have, have you want to, you know, flip back and forth in the maps. Don't be afraid to go back and forth in your Bible so that you, you just get an idea of where everybody is. Mm-hmm. And if you own a study Bible, more than likely, there's going to be a map that corresponds to things like when they talk about the division of property. Yeah. And so you can see where Dan's land and Judah's land and um, Reuben's land, you know, you can see all these tribes of Israel. You can see where their land is laid out because there's been a lot of really smart people who have taken the time to figure out how to draw this on a map. And then they put it in the back of a study Bible so that you can know it. Yeah. So don't be afraid of the maps. Um, Another one, another thing to remember, and I thought this was interesting. Um, Canaan is not a superpower. Canaan was not um, the you somebody you know Mexico trying to take on the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really, I mean, this would be like um, Nicaragua trying to come in, and then they're going to take like New Mexico, and then Arizona. And then California and then, mm-hmm. or, you know, like they're going to move one. And so it's, it's a bunch of like individual city states. And that's why you hear about all of these Kings. Now yeah. the Kings kind of work together in some aspects, you know, they, they obviously had their own kingdom and they ruled the way they wanted to, but you'll, you'll hear about, especially when you talk about the, the second city. So they conquer Jericho and then they move into AI. Well, they lose the first battle of AI. Right. You know, because they uh, apparently they forgot. I don't know how, but they forgot that they just walked around a city and the walls fell down. <laughs> I don't know how you forget that, but it's like, oh, we just walked around the city and the walls fell down. Okay. Maybe God's with us. Maybe we got this and it's no big deal. And then they go to A and they're like, all right, hang on. We got to get some kind of super strategy and we got to figure out how we can, how we can do this. And we don't need God anymore because we just walked around that and, and you know you, you almost see the arrogance come up all at one time yeah but like how again like how much of a reflection of of our own walk is that oh man absolutely like we <laughs> always forget 
like what God has done for us mm-hmm. in the past when we are faced with a similar or nearly identical situation in the future. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, I'll figure it out, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll figure this and, out. And then God, I, I just imagine God in heaven with his hands on his hips going, you idiot. Like, <laughs> get it together. I've got this. Just let me, let me, let me do my thing and you'll be okay. I got you. There's the meme of that guy that's like, I think it's like a basketball game or something. I don't know. He's standing there with his hands on his hips and he's like looking at the, looking at something like, are you serious right now? Yeah. (laughs) But but I really think like throughout a lot of the Old Testament, that's God's like, yeah, God's never going to leave Israel, but God has got to be looking at Israel a lot going, come on, guys. I literally (laughs) split the ocean. Yeah. I literally made the walls fall down. All you had to do is walk around a wall. Like, yeah. like, and blow some trumpets. <laughs> did you see the plagues that I p- put on Egypt? Like, just trust and follow me that I've got mm-hmm. it. And Israel's like, nah, we got it. We're if, good. <laughs> if you are not a believer in total depravity, I would challenge you to read the Old Testament <laughs> because I mean, it's, I mean, just think about this. All right. For my friends who don't believe in total depravity, I love you, but just read the Old Testament and tell me that you don't that that you think logic and reason are a safe alternative to to total depravity. Because realistically, I mean, the story of Israel is like, oh my gosh, these jokers cannot get anything right. And then yeah. all of a sudden they get like one thing right, and you're like, sweet they're gonna oh no here they go again (laughs) yeah and it's not like it's like they get one thing right and then two books two books of the bible later they screw up it's like the next chapter yeah they're i mean right back in their same old ways think about the in the start of joshua okay let's just start joshua they come into the promised land miraculously through the jordan river as god splits the river again and joshua tells the people hey grab some stones off the bottom of the river so that we can build a memorial so that we remember that one time that God walked us through the Jordan river as we came in Mm -hmm. here, you know, we'll make, we'll make the memorial here and it'll be the 12 stones there. Um, one for each tribe. Mm -hmm. And so you do that. And then you go into the conquering of Jericho where they, all they have to, there's no military involved. They literally silently walk around the city seven days. And then on the seventh day, they walk seven times. Then they blow some trumpets and yell and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Like that's two back-to-back miracles. And then mm-hmm. the very next thing, AI. All right. So we don't have God anymore. How are we going to figure this? Out? I mean, like, I don't get it. <laughs> the, there's, there's the, you are so dumb. <laughs> You are really, really dumb. You are really, really dumb. <laughs> For real. <laughs> That's what I think of. But uh, but then again, I also remember, man, how much am I like Israel? How yeah. much do I do that in my daily life? That's, yep. uh, I, you know, I can't point the finger. So, yeah. Anyway, that, that was a little diatribe there. It's okay. But so, <laughs> so you, you talked about how Canaan is not a superpower and yeah. it's divided into several city states. I think, you know, something else to remember is that. In the grand scheme of things of the world at this time, Israel's really small. Yeah. Israel's a tiny nation. It's just wandered around the desert for or in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah. Um really the Egyptians and the Hittites are the superpowers. They're yeah. they're the they're the big big bad boys of, of the day. And Israel's walking around, just walking around cities, knocking walls down and yeah. and you know, kind of doing things one by one when they get it right. So um it's really kind of a it's flipping the world on its head a little bit because yes, you have you have these untrained um like there, there's like you said not military anything mm-hmm. a lot of times and they're able to conquer city after city after city yeah again when they get right with god because um, the hand of god is why they because do the it. hand of, because <laughs> of the hand of god yeah so it's um it, it's a really interesting book it's really interesting to see how it all plays out Yep. So let's just do a quick walkthrough, just kind of give a breakdown of the different sections. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a few different sections in Joshua so that as you guys read through this, 
pick up on some of these things, uh, pay attention to some of these things. We wish we just want to give you some kind of like bullet points to pay attention to as you yeah. read through the book of Joshua. Um, so I'll, I'll start us off here that you got the very first one. You got an introduction all the way through the entering of the land. This really runs chapter one through the first half or so of chapter five. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to get this theme started from the very beginning of be strong and courageous. Um, and you're continuing that theme, be strong and courageous. It, it continues all the way from the creation narrative um, and the idea of rest. They're going to do certain things, and and God's going to say, "All right, when you do this, you need to remember. You need to pause mm-hmm. and remember that I'm I'm God and I'm the one." Yeah. And so it's a great reminder for us as Christians just just to remember you don't have to be going all the time. You can stop. and And I love Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. And when we are still, the second half of forty six ten. I will be exalted among the nations is what God says. Yeah. I will be exalted in all the earth. When we are still is when God is exalted among the nations. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, doesn't mean anything for us. I hate to say it that way. It What we do for God is good, but God doesn't need us to get things done. Right. Is, is the way to say that. Um, yeah. So we've already talked about the miracles going into the land, crossing the Jordan, the spies, Rahab, the prostitute, um, the Passover. Now that they're into the promised land, they can begin celebrating the Passover again. So that kicks back up. It's been on pause here for 40 years. Um, and then notice the the places that they conquer, um, the sites become sacred. Um, look, we're going to talk about this a little bit in First Samuel. Uh, seven refers back to these sites that that become sacred, but later, and again, this goes back to to my comments on total depravity earlier. These exact same sites later are going to be used for idolatry, syncretistic mm-hmm. idolatry, syncretistic yeah. idolatry. Um, talk about Hosea four fifteen nine fifteen, Amos four, Amos five. Um, you're going to see the sites that once were sacred are turned into something idolatrous later in life Mm -hmm. yeah so take us through the second section yeah so um now we're going to get into the narrative of the conquest of jericho and Mm -hmm. the the battles at ai um this is the rest of chapter five through chapter eight um and the conquest officially begins here with the taking of jericho um and like anthony i've already talked about this the victory here is attributed to totally to god because (laughs) 100% 100% of Israel's involvement is non-military. <laughs> yeah. They're they're untrained. They couldn't have been trained. They've been walking in the desert for in the wilderness for 40 years. So <laughs> they don't like they have no military training and yet they're able to conquer Jericho. Yeah. Simply because of their obedience. Um but then like you flip the coin over and you get this completely different story at AI. Mm-hmm. Um after a major victory Israel starts to think that they're in the captain's chair and yeah. they're in control. Um, and then we really see that one man's disobedience leads directly to a military loss for the entire nation. Yeah. Um, the, the, they, their initial battle at AI is, is a, is a loss for them. They, they, yeah. they lose because they forgot who they were, whose they were and who yeah. God was. Well, and, even more than that, they did something that God specifically told them not to do. Yeah. Achan took something that he was not supposed to take. Yeah. And, and Joshua gets taken. I mean, it's, is he's Joshua walks right up to him. And he's like, all right, Achan, I know you've got something. What is it? And he uncovers his tent and there it is. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a idol that they took yeah. from Jericho. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, think about this. The entire nation was punished for the action of one man. Yeah. You know, one guy committed a sin and the entire nation lost a battle because of mm-hmm. it. And so if you ever think that that one person's sin can't affect other people, think again. Look at look at this story of Aiken here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's that's why we, we talk about the concept of original sin. Uh, the doctrine of original sin, where where we say the sin of Adam is imputed to us. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam is our federal head. And so we say the sin of Adam is imputed to us. And then 
we are declared sinners because of that. But the cross of Jesus, Jesus came. So through one man's that go, go to Romans five through one man's disobedience, man is rendered sinful, but mm-hmm. through one man's obedience, we're made right to God. Yeah. You know, everything, yep. everything in those stories. And this is just kind of a, a little asterisk on there is, is what it is through yeah. one man's either obedience or disobedience. A lot of other people either suffer or are rewarded. Yeah. So take that, mm-hmm. take that and and do with it what you will. Mm-hmm. And then um, after AI is finally conquered, after they get uh, Aiken taken care of, um, the narrator tells of the covenant renewal at Mount uh, Ebal. 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 Yeah. I'll say some of these names right at some point. <laughs> That's always my favorite part. Um, and then the it's next my couple of part two for the record. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, and then the next couple of chapters here are the Gibeonite ruse and its consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gibeonites were one of the people groups that were to be utterly destroyed um, by the nation of Israel, but Joshua makes a deal with them. Um, and that is. Uh, not, not how what it, God told him to not do. Not what God told him to do. <laughs> um, but even it. But I mean, but how how faithful and good is God? Though? Even in the midst of failure, God's plan continues. Yeah. As the kings of the Amorites are destroyed. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like God's God doesn't need man to be a hundred percent obedient for His plan to still be followed through. Yep. Almost like man can't alter God's plan. No matter how hard they try, keep walking that line. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You'll pick um, up on it one day. Yeah. So, what's next? Oh man! So the next couple of sections, um, a whole lot of narrative happens here. Um, we get uh, chapters eleven and twelve. We get the northern conquest. They talk about the defeated kings, um, and then chapters thirteen through the end of twenty-one. Um, we get the the excruciating details of the distribution of the land. Probably I'll say the most this. boring part of Joshua. <laughs> I'll say this. While I was reading this, I, I texted Anthony and said, if there could ever be an award for most random names given in a <laughs> section of, this, of Scripture, this is the section right here. Yes, it is. It's name after name. And, and you think like so and so begat so and so begat so and so is is like tedious. <laughs> this is tedious because yes, it goes it through all the tribes all the way down, and then it's and then they get like oh, and they get like this part of this little bit of land, <laughs> and then so and so so and so so and so, and it does it for eight chapters. It's yep. it's tedious and it's not exciting, but it's in scripture and it's, it's, in scripture. it's beneficial for much. So if nothing else, it tells you that God is a God of the details. Yeah, he is. He knows the number of hairs on your head, which yep. for me is much easier than for Michael. That's but- fair. <laughs> well, and I mean, and too, like, you know, it's, it's showing that he's at, that God is, actually fulfilling the promise he made yes, to abraham exactly. he, he's he's actually following through with the with fulfilling the promise yep. he originally made to abraham to distribute the land to the tribes that's right and it would he promised abraham that it would be for his descendants and that his descendants would number the sands on the seashore and I, I think all those names are in these eight chapters. <laughs> Every sand on the seashore is here in this <laughs> yeah. eight chapter. Um, no, but then and then you you really wrap up the last few chapters of Joshua with this epilogue. Um, Joshua's life, you learn about the end of it. Um, and then Joshua really kind of exhorts uh, the nation of Israel to return back to that covenant loyalty to God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. Uh, when when I read the ending of Joshua, there's there's a lot of my my history, and maybe you'll appreciate this, maybe you won't. I don't know. There's a lot of my history that ri- reminds me of like George Washington mm-hmm. when he when he leaves the presidency after after two terms, and he's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You you don't need me to do this anymore. You have to learn how to basically keep this going. Yeah. Um. And and it's a very it's like it's sad at one side. 
but it's also very encouraging because you have a great leader in Joshua who took the people through uh, the the conquering of of part of the land at least. Yeah. Um, and then he says, "Hey, you guys, the end of my life is not the end. Keep going. Keep doing this. Yeah. Keep doing what God has called. Excuse me, called you to do. You know, and and that's what he does. And he focuses on that covenant loyalty." And he reminds them that that it, as as the law, as a reader of the law from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the nation of Israel needs to remember that law and needs to continue that law as mm-hmm. they move into the promised land. Yeah, and and so, you know, it's it's not a it's not a authoritarian type of like you have to follow the letter of the law kind of speech as it is a an exhortation to remember the law and remember what the law produces for Israel. Yeah. You know, which is good. It's it's good. Yeah. And God tells them if they follow the law, it's going to be good. And so that, that kind of closes out. And then you, you end up with the burial of Joseph um, that they, they talked about. Joseph is brought from Egypt and buried in the promised land. That was something that was back from Genesis. Um, and so that's a that's a reminder to us that God always keeps uh, His covenant with His people, mm-hmm. and and so that's that's really kind of as you wrap up Joshua, that's really what you see is that God keeps His covenant with His people, but at the same time, what's coming next is the Book of Judges, yeah. And what we're going to talk about next week is the Book of Judges, and it is a polar opposite of the Book of Joshua, so. With with the conclusion of Joshua, what we can really see is that God is faithful, even when his people are not, and Judges is going to be that example. Yeah. You know, we're going to see that fleshed out in Judges. Right, right. The, the end of Judges ends with, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> we'll just say it that way. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So... Well, there's uh there's the book of Joshua for you in hopefully concise and understandable terms. I, like like I said at the at, from the outset or for the onset, um, I really enjoyed the book of Joshua. Yeah, when in reading in reading in preparation this week, um, yeah, just um, refreshing myself with some of the story maybe reading some parts of it for the first time that's kind of embarrassing to <laughs> acknowledge but um no i thought the book was it, it's great and it's it's filled with his important and hor- yeah important historical information yeah that sets us up for what's to come yep that's it there we go so, uh, would you like to pray for us this week? Man, I would love to pray for us this week. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the book of Joshua. We thank you for what it teaches us about your faithfulness to your people, um, that you will always complete what you promise, what you covenant with your people. Uh, and so, God, we uh, just tell you right now that we are oftentimes an unfaithful people. And God, we just ask for your forgiveness when we are and ask that you would teach us how we can be faithful people, that we can be representative of you to the world around us, and that we can example you to the world uh, that needs you so desperately. And God, that we can be that example. And so God, I pray that we can learn these lessons from the book of Joshua, that we can uh, learn how to apply this to our lives, that we can read this and understand that even in the details of the distribution of land, that you are there and you are fulfilling, and you are a God of the promise. And so, God, we thank you for your promises and your word. We thank you for uh, your promises that are forever and amen. And so, God, we rest in those, and we ask for your help uh, this week as we go in and out of the world that we're in, and we, we live the lives that you have called us to live. God, that you would be with us, and you would protect us. Uh, and most of all, God, that we can example the gospel to the world that is around us. And we ask yeah. all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do it? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on 
Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast. And you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And now that we're getting close to the end of the uh, big box bash, if you have any beer suggestions for the podcast, we need those. We need those. So we don't wander aimlessly in the package store. Um, <laughs> Wandering no. for 40 years in the package store. <laughs> <laughs> Some package stores around here, it, you could do it. Um, yes, you could. No, but if you have any beer suggestions that you would like for us to review, um, you know, if you're up for that, we'd love to hear that. And if you have any questions about mm-hmm. anything we've discussed on the podcast, you can reach us at any of those as well. Anthony and I uh, will both be happy to respond and interact with any and everyone who reaches out. There you go. Well, until next week, we hope your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out. Peace out.